You're looking well. You've Thank been, you very um, much. You've been San, San Compostellaring, have you? I have been. Santiago de Compostellaring, yeah. I think that is a verb. How many how many uh, kilometres did you... Oh, Jason, your... I only did 550 kilometres in on five your, weeks. On your Fitbit. That's, yeah. um, that's good going. It's not bad, but then when I heard that you wanted to talk about screw caps today, I just put everything down. I put my gourd down, I put my pilgrim staff down, I put my scallop shaft down, my rucksack, and I hurried well, on I, over here. I just, uh, like a Pavlovian dog, I just went to get a corkscrew, but of course it is not required. Today we are talking about the at times controversial alternative closure that is the Stelvin screw cap. Adventures in wine. I'm David Chandler and he is Jason Yang. No pulling involved today, only screwing. Yep, exactly. Let me grab some wines before I start to me a bit more about it. That's a toothsome looking Equinox 2017. One of my personal favourites with the most memorable Midnight Blue label. So, some people think that these screw closures are on wine bottles are relatively recent phenomenon, but they've been around for longer than you might think. And their origins are in the late 1950s. Screw cap as we know it, and Stelvin is, is the market leader. That's a bit like Hoover. Yeah, yeah. Or okay. um, Biro mm-hmm. or Kleenex, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there are other makes out there, but it's hugely dominated by Stelvin. And they came about when an Australian product director of the Yolumba winery, Peter Wall, got in touch with a French company based in Chalon-sur-Saône, down in Burgundy. Yeah. And in 1964, he approached Le Bouchage Mécanique, which uh, translates as the, the mechanical stopper company, and asked them to develop this specific closure. Right. And it wasn't an overnight success. They first trialled it in 70-71 with a Swiss wine chasseler, which is particularly prone to cork taint. Which right. is okay. the, the chemical compound we're talking about is trichloroanisole, and that's the big problem. It's a good move then. It's a very good move. It was really progressive, and it was a Franco-Australian joint venture really what was the name of that company again Jason it's a great name Le Bouchage Bouchage Mécanique Bouchage Mécanique I'd rather be an employee of Le Bouchage Mécanique than the mechanical stopper company yeah well I think I would Um, but uh, anyway Peter Wall got them to start developing what we now know as the Stelvin cap and it was trialled in the early 70s Yolumba were using it from 73 and then a whole raft of other Australian wineries followed suit in quick succession. Hardy's, McWilliams, Penfolds, Seppelt, Brown Brothers, and Tabilk. 
Uh, because they weren't hampered by the whole tradition thing as such? Yeah, and it was patented in 1975 and they began using it commercially from 1976. So what happened? Did the Australians just run out of corks? Because they had all their corks around their hats, I suppose. they just Was it just the cork taint or was it actually the supplies of corks that was the problem? That's a very good question because I think most of the cork uh, was coming out of Europe. Um, but I think the main driver was to have these cleaner because they were making very fruit driven wines and and I think it was to, to get around the problem of, of cork taint cork taint okay so TCA which is the initials of the trichloroanisole doesn't occur naturally that happens when fungus comes into contact with chlorinated phenolic compounds um, which are really antimicrobial agents used to treat wood okay but they can be present in tiny quantities nanograms and can be detected okay and it's when a wine says it's kind of musty mm-hmm. it's very variable and also what further confuses the problem is that some people are much more susceptible to detecting it than others yeah. my yeah. dad being a very good example even if a wine has a tiny trace of it he, yeah he can pick it up and okay. when other people would be perfectly happy drinking exactly the same wine right and some of it of course is psychosomatic because as soon as someone suggests a wine is corked yeah. Oh, it tastes corky. It's a kind of woody, often smells of damp books. It's yeah. a pretty, you must have had it in a restaurant. It's the mm. bane of sommeliers because mm-hmm. people send the wine back. Wine merchants don't like it, of course, because they have to replace the wine. So, you know, alternative closure was a very good idea in theory and to a large degree in practice. Now, 80% of wine sold in the UK is consumed within 24 hours of purchase. <laughs> Why which am is, I not surprised? Which is incredible, that. isn't it? Which is incredible. And, um, and I think, by and large, wine made for forward drinking, being drunk within two, three years of its vintage, the screw cap's ideal. Mm-hmm. They keep the wine clean, they're easy to open. The statistics on its development are incredible. So in 2001, 1% of New Zealand wineries were using stealth enclosures. By 2004, 70% were. Wow. So in the New World, specifically talking really about um, Australasia, mm-hmm. the screw cap is the norm, over 70%. Right. Whereas the big irony is, although the French developed the technology, the New World adopted it. Right. And the French are way behind. Less mm. than 5% of French wine uh, okay. closed on the screw cap. There's a good, strong argument for cork if you're laying down wine. So that's what I was going to ask you. Is maturing wine for, you know, over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... A theory that that lets the wine breathe and helps the wine develop and the tannins. Mm-hmm. So, as a rule of thumb, I think Stelvin's less appropriate for big, heavy tannic red wines. So, you know, most of Bordeaux, for example, mm-hmm. but for aromatic, fruity white wines and lighter reds, I think it's absolutely ideal. Right. And um, I bought some examples of wines that I really admire and mm-hmm. really appreciate that are all closed under screw cap, and I thought would have a little tasting. Now, one criticism of Stelvin is that it doesn't sound as good as popping your cork. No, it um, sounds like you're cracking walnuts. Well, let's have a go. Is, is that, it could, could be a, a crispy, inviting crunch. There we go. Oh! oh. Uh, that wasn't from the props department. So this is the classic Saumur label. The Atmuds have sold for well over 20 years with its Charles de Gaulle motif. And that Pantone Blue was taken from a French street sign. Okay. This is a Chenin Blanc. 
I love this wine. We've listed it for many years and it was a great restaurant in London that commissioned the label because the old label was a fusty old label with you know Shire horses and a chateau in the background. Mm -hmm. And uh, the late great Charlie Graham Wood from the Café de Marche in Smithfield said, come on, Jason, we need a funky label for my mm -hmm. clientele. And um, we commissioned this and have never looked back. So this is the 2017 vintage. It's pure shunning. Doesn't see any oak whatsoever. It's all vinified in thermoregulated, you know, temperature controlled stainless steel vats. Mm -hmm. But you get that lovely green apple. And that's what Stelvin's yeah. all about, is conserving that, you know, zingy fresh fruit. Zesty. Mm. The French have a word for it, vif, lively. Mm -hmm. Certainly is. Just right for 11 in the morning. It's that mm -hmm. really clean white fruit and that really persistent palate. Um, Whenever I come to the shop, Jason, I overlook this one, you know. It's stupid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, because well, it's, it's great value for money. And um, it's just lovely and clean fruity, and it makes a great aperitif. Really, mm. really works well. Um, stand up well to substantial salads, you know, nice chef showed uh, warm goat's cheese salad with a few walnuts. We, we could have cracked some walnuts. Um, Super. And walnut oil, very important. Mm. If you're making a good chef showed salad, don't use olive oil. Now next up, and this is a relatively recent listing for us, but I absolutely love it. It's a Schaefer Riesling from the Saar. It's where the Saar River meets the Moselle in Germany, in the Moselle Saar Ruhr. And it's made by a great winemaker called Carolyn Williams. Her mum and dad are both Williamses, and so it's at the Willems Willems Winery. Mm -hmm. And um, great label, and it comes off a slate soil. This is what they do so well in Germany. Again, under Stelvin, so you'll hear the, the walnut crack. And this is a Riesling. And I like everything about this wine. It's the 2016 vintage, so really showing well. Just 11.5 um, degrees ABV. That's so fruitier. It's much limier. Mm. You get this okay. kind of lime leaf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, citric zest. And then mm. Really lovely, kind of mineral zing to that it. That is so and nice. Really persistent, mm. and it's a relatively high alcohol, really fresh and clean. And I think that's just delicious on its own. You know, mid morning sharpener. I'm off to um, the Thai kitchen tomorrow. Um, All right. You know, with that Thai Asiatic food, those chili flavors, and it works so well. Well, there's um, that lemongrass in it, isn't there? They've just got a great it's affinity. Same with a lot of the. The aromatic varietals mm. coming out of Alsace. You might not have come across that before, but that's the Williams Williams Schaefer Riesling from the Saar, and it's grown on a slate soil. That's why you get yeah. that lovely nervy yeah. quality. It's just showing really well. And another really nice contemporary wine label. Bit of a theme going on there. This. Well, they all are. But unsurprisingly. It's your modernists, not your traditionalists, who've embraced the screw cap. Okay. And um, you will find much more white and rosé on a screw cap than you will red. But we do have a couple of reds here today, just mm -hmm. to prove such things exist. And you won't need much introduction to this. because Another stylish label. It's our own label. That, that you did now, is it four years ago already? Yeah. How time flies. So this is the Yap Rouge with the... David Chandler H-Man label and the Tricolour and it's made from straight Cabernet Sauvignon okay comes from a very progressive winery in the Ardèche and um, we wanted a wine that was nice and fruity not too tannic 
really versatile, drink on its own or with your kitchen table lunch of bread and cheese and charcuterie salad. That is what this is all about. So relatively young, we see from the number plate on the label, it's the 2016 vintage. So nice vintage, lovely freshness to the 2016's mm-hmm. Camara France at the moment. And why wouldn't you want to serve that lovely crushed berry fruit that's just a touch of sort of rose hip and red currant and um, summer berries, very gentle tannins. Yeah, it's very nice. And it's got a lovely sort of palate cleansing mm-hmm. acidity as well. So that's not a red wine that's going to evolve much more in bottle. It's made for no chance it's with ma- me around. Made for upfront, off the back drinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, more of these wines of this calibre should be on the food in my opinion. Yeah. That's a really nice late summer tipple, I think. And then moving up a gear, and this is a real rarity. And that's a great label. This is the Equinox mm-hmm. Crow's Amitage in the newly released 2017 vintage. And this is made by the Gryo family, mm-hmm. famous winemakers, very progressive. They're making wine all over the world, man. They're making wine in Spain and Australia and Morocco. But their heartland is on the Chassis Plateau in Crow's Hermitage. And this is rare because it's from a well-known Northern Rhone Appalachian. It's pure Syrah, but it's bottled under Stelvin because they think this wine is made for drinking on its youthful fruit. Mm-hmm. And you'll be hard pushed to find a better French red wine than this under screw cap. But unsurprisingly, it's hugely popular with restaurants. Um, and look at that lovely dark purple color. Mm. Yeah. They had a really good vintage. 2017 in France was the shortest grape harvest since 1945. Okay. But happily for them, Crow's Amitage got off very lightly. Their volumes were good up on 2016. Mm-hmm. So they're really the exception that proves the rule. Oh, wow. Um, mm. Really good. Plummy. Mm-hmm. Lots of sort of autumnal plum and damson fruit there. Lovely deep purple colour. Really silky tannins. And that's got the Gryo's signature freshness on the finish. Mm-hmm. And I remember Alan Gryo saying to me many years ago, that is your incentivization to have another glass. <laughs> and um, that's why, it's yeah, why yeah. the restaurateurs love it. It's not... Yeah. It's not cloying, it's mm-hmm. a little fresh, beautifully balanced red wine. Nice and Ex- long. Exhibiting very skilled winemaking. So there you have mm. it. There is such a thing as good red wine under Stelvin. Stelvin's here to stay. Its popularity is growing, mm-hmm. even in France. The genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. Um, whether it's out of the Stelvin closed bottle, uh, I don't know. But... Uh, there's a reason for it, and I think it will continue to proliferate and become more popular. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're dragging the world into the 21st century. Cheers. Cheers. More adventures in wine at www.yap.co.uk.